0: It's hard to gather the context of this passage of scripture just by itself. If you turn a couple of pages over in your Bible and look into the first two chapters of Galatians, you begin to get a better feel for what's going on because Paul explains in depth there uh, his ministry and what has uh, propelled him to go out and to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the Gentiles. Uh, You get a sense for the context as he was a persecutor of the church and then on that Damascus Road experience was converted, literally converted by the Spirit of God to look at the world differently as his eyes were shielded with these shells that fell away finally and not only freed him to see physically but also that he could perceive the world in a different way he began to offer his life in service to a God who had shown him a different way to love others. Over in Galatians, there is this uh, encounter that he has with James and Peter in Jerusalem. And James and Peter uh, give him permission to go and to to be a blessing to the Gentiles. In fact, as he comes to them, uh, they say to him that, that this is what the Lord obviously has planned. And so they encourage him to go. And while he goes to uh, see the Gentiles, he says, and take up an offering as you do. Um, in order to care for the poor. Now, wh- what James and Peter are saying to him is remember that we are poor here. And in fact, all of the families of those that are gathered in Jerusalem are dealing with very difficult circumstances. And so he is sent out as this prophet into the world, this missionary to go and to do what he really wants to do. In fact, Peter and James are not really cognizant of the fact that they are adding their spiritual blessing, their holy water, to something that's already been going on for 17 years. He had already been preaching the good news of Jesus Christ all throughout Asia. And as he moved into these corners of the world where the good news had not yet been heard, he did so with such vigor. He comes back as this humble soul to Jerusalem to share that news and to get permission to do what God had already planted in his heart to do. In his mind, there was a division of duties, maybe even more so in James and Peter's mind, that there was this division of duties that was there because they saw themselves as being situated in Jerusalem. And even though life was difficult for them there, they were going to persevere and seek to share the good news with those brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith as they had opportunities. As you can imagine, uh, the situation was difficult for them because already they were being closed out of the temple and already they were finding it difficult to do anything that would generate income for themselves or their families because they were Not of the right sort to be intermingling with. And so James and Peter were representative of many, many poor in the early church. Here, as Paul went on his way, he was seeing entire communities that were in very different circumstances, and Corinth was one of those, a very affluent area, a center of commerce. And as he spoke to them, they rose to the occasion. And as the story is told in his letter to them in 1 Corinthians, they rose to the occasion and gave a very generous gift and promised that they would complete that gift on his subsequent return when he waited and waited for that return. And when they waited and waited on completing that gift, he thought to himself Maybe a word is in order to encourage them to remember what they promised. And so as he began to think about this, he did so with compassion in his heart. He wanted to give them the instructions again that they had received, that they were not only to be believers, but they were to be responders in order that the church might receive care. Paul was eager and he traveled by sea and road everywhere and he shared the good news and he called for a response. But Corinth had reached that place in the life of that young congregation where already they were becoming reluctant, reluctant toward that extravagant generosity that had been a part of their life earlier on. In Macedonia, this impoverished community that must have been bypassed uh, by the interstate earlier on, you know, I don't know what their circumstance was. But they were dying on the vine. They were shriveling up because of their lack. But he saw within them this gem of an experience. They were giving not because they had But out of their poverty, he says here in these verses that they were giving according to their means and even beyond their means. And he was begging and they were begging him earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. Let me read a little bit more of the verses that surround this. These two that were read for us. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us. So that we might urge Titus that as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith and in speech in knowledge and utmost eagerness and in our love for you. So we want for you to excel also to this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something now finish doing it. The instructions from Paul are very pointed and yet they are filled with such truth. This group from Macedonia was actually begging for the chance to participate in a need that they saw and that they had heard about. They were begging for the opportunity to participate. Can you get a picture of this in your mind? That they were so thrilled with the opportunity to be called followers of Christ, that everything in them welled up for joy. You remember that 100th Psalm and how in that second verse, it expresses serve the Lord with gladness. They had glad hearts. They understood what it meant to be happy in the Lord. Do you remember when Jesus was at his last supper with the disciples? and where after he had knelt down before them, he had bathed their feet, he had stood up, and he had shared with them around that table. And one of the things that he said to them was, I've said this to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Why? Because he knew that it was a human tendency to leave that part of it behind. He knew that that in certain situations of our need, especially it is hard for us to get very clear how it is that God could work anything out to bless both those that are needier than we are and we ourselves. I remember as a young pastor exploring the corners of Miller County years ago there were many poor people in Miller County. And I went down many a dirt roads to make visits to that congregation. Now there were wealthy people there too. But I was so stunned by how underprivileged in terms of money the many were that lived off on these side roads. One family I particularly visited who were very elderly, this couple, their daughter lived with them to take care of them in their old age. And Evelyn and Roussel, they, they were just just salt of the earth people. But it was their heart to do what was right. As I came to visit them, I was about to leave after having had a prayer and the daughter came to me she said wait a minute preacher and she went over to the bureau and she grabbed something and I realized it was a little envelope with money in it and she came to me and I know she must have seen reservation in my eyes because this couple did not need to give anything to the church they were so poor and she said she said but you must take it she said they would be very unhappy if you did not. And I thought, how precious this is, that this poor family wished to participate. And my thoughts went to Macedonia and how they begged for the opportunity to participate in what God was doing through the Apostle Paul. This is not a command. And this is where some people get it so wrong it seems difficult to go through days in which we talk about stewardship one Sunday after another. It almost seems as if this is some manipulation of the way in which it should be, this command that is being given in order that it might help us all to give. And I certainly don't want to take too much of that away because your giving is necessary. But more importantly than that, it is my desire for you that all of us discover the joy, this enormous generosity, this extravagant generosity that is filled with happiness that drives us. This divine energy is among the Macedonian believers. Their excitement and their inspiration is tangible it's not unlike what you and i experienced during the season of advent and as we approach christmas in another couple of months we will get it on our minds about christ coming into the world and and we wish our lives to be in response to that, and it is the most generous time of the year for not only the church, for the community, as people think of ways in which they can be inventive, very creative about their ways of giving to take care of others. Wouldn't it be great if we could bottle that for the entirety of the year, so that 365 days were like Christmases. We miss our opportunities. We have opportunities every day to take care of those that were in need. We're not aware enough. I wish I had been aware yesterday. I wasn't on my best behavior. I was not paying attention so much to the needs of those around me. I was near somebody who was in need. I did nothing about it. I was patient, but the situation demanded more than that. Fortunately, someone that was behind me in line. Saw the situation better than I did and stepped in front of me and took care of paying for the groceries of the people that just couldn't do it at the counter that day. I think to myself, God, not only do I thank you for the reminder of all of our calling, mine in particular. I thank you for this precious individual who sees today as Christmas, the coming of God into the world an opportunity that we can do for others. I wish that all of giving was like this, this divine energy that would inspire it. Do you remember the man Paul Anderson who was such a tour de force in terms of strength in years gone by now? He was one huge man who had exercised, granted, and had Propelled himself to the top strength in the world. He was amazing what he could do. I've heard stories of how he could walk up to a car and pick up the front end of the car and just lift it off the ground. Can you imagine anyone being able to do that? I've heard that he would get underneath a picnic table and Everybody was waiting for him to pick up the table, but he would say, Wait a minute. He said, I need some help. And 12 people would come and get on top of the picnic table, and then he would lift the picnic table off the ground. Incredible feats this Paul Anderson did. But I tell you, the thing that is going to be most favorably remembered throughout the church, not only for the centuries to come, but perhaps millennia, is that Paul Anderson had a heart of gold and he cared for those who had so little. And he developed a youth home in which he just loved people who did not understand fully what family could possibly be. Oh, if we had the heart, the heart for giving as the Macedonians, as Paul Anderson understood to have. How would it change us? This divine energy for effective action. These glimpses of heaven that would begin to appear around us because we are so infused with heaven, we would have it no other way. Our spontaneity. The parable of the mother with five cookies goes like this. The mother was sitting at the table. Supper was over. She went over to the counter and got a platter with five cookies and set it back in the middle of the table. All there looked with eagerness upon those. There were five in the family. Her husband sat beside her, and there were three children there as well. The father and the family reached and grabbed a cookie. He began to savor it immediately, and she looked with pleasure as he began to eat his cookie. The three children in concert grabbed their cookies and they were gone before you could say, go. The mother had reached over to take her cookie as well and then glanced at the father who was still savoring his cookie. And she looked at the children who were cookie-less, they were cookie poor at this point. And she thought, I'll break my cookie in half And so she did and handed it across the table and the middle child broke that cookie into three pieces and that part of the cookie was gone as fast as the whole cookie had gone in their hands. And there she was with a half of cookie and she thought to herself, I'll break it in half again and handing it over, they broke that cookie, that part into three smaller parts, and she thought to herself, this is just too good, and she broke her quarter of a cookie in half again to hand it over until finally this process landed her with nothing but crumbs of which she took that last little crumb and put it in her mouth, and I tell you, she was more satisfied than anybody at that table. How is it that you do giving? Do you do it with regret? Do you do it with reserve? Do you do it thinking that you must be protective of what God has given to you for no one else is going to protect it like you would? How is it that you and I are called to give? Paul would say, you started out good, now finish what you are doing. I knew a house just outside of Lyons, Georgia. I used to drive by it when we would drive down to Broxton where Sue's parents lived. I would go by it and I would think to myself when we first saw it, this is a beautiful, it's a large house and it is in the process of construction." But I went by it again and saw nothing going on. I went by it five times, 10 times. Grass began to grow up all around it and even in the midst of it because it was not sheltered even completely yet. And I watched as I drove past it a hundred times or more and nothing ever changed about that house. It was just sitting there. I don't know the situation. I don't know why it was stopped mid-construction, but it was a shame because it was never finished. where are you with all of this? Do you see your love for Christ as it was in its infancy and how very divine it was, how filled with energy? Can you hear Paul's call to complete what God has started? And I like this fourth verse in particular in this passage, begging us, earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. The Greek word there is koinonia. Perhaps you've heard that word before, koinonia, which we usually translate as community, but it's far, far more than that. It has to do with Christian community and caretaking of each other to the point that we see our resources as being connected one to the other. This is what Paul was putting into the minds of those in Corinth And had planted so well in Macedonia. This connection between those who lived at a distance from Jerusalem with those who were in Jerusalem, connecting the Jews with the Gentiles and shouldering the responsibility in every day. I hope that you can hear our calling today. Jesus says, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And he is before us as this servant Lord, the one whose hands are still wet from having bathed his disciples' feet, who wishes to give us the opportunity to be servants as well. As we mentioned earlier, and now have the opportunity... As we share together in the singing of our final hymn, I invite you to uh, bring your commitment card if you have prepared that, to bring it and to place it in one of the baskets at the corner of the altar rail. If you did not come prepared to fill out that card today, uh, I encourage you to think about it, pray over it, and fill it out. And you can bring it in tomorrow morning if you would like to in the church office or you can bring it next week but I encourage you to really think about what is it that God is calling you to give as you pray over what he has given to you.